Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me sales. Hey guys, Alex here, ajnashville.com. Podcast episode, I believe it's 13. Wow, 13 episodes already. Um, here with my friend Eduardo and my longtime friend, also loan officer assistant, Mr. Jeff Perry. Say hi, guys. Hey. Hey, everybody. <clears throat> well, first of all, thank you for having me. Congratulations mm-hmm. on your 13th episode, more or less. <laughs> and Give uh, or take one. <laughs> give or take. Um, thanks so much for giving me this opportunity. I'm honored to be here with you and on this podcast. Awesome. Jeff? Any sweet words? Jeff needs a haircut. I, I do. That's something that we, we need to accomplish. You let's want go this? buy some clippers today. You want this? Yeah, let's give him that sharp fade. <laughs> so, uh, Eduardo, you're obviously a realtor. You focus on predominantly the Spanish market, right? The Hispanic market, I guess, is... Yeah. It's more Spanish, appropriate. Yeah, more appropriate. Okay. Hispanic uh, market. Hispanic market. Uh, I mean, the name is the property hermanos. I work with my brother. Um, kind of like the property brothers, but hermanos kind of key in Spanish speaking. Okay. So check us out at thepropertyhermanos.com. Um, but yeah, so one of the things um, that is out there right now in the, in the Hispanic market, it's becoming like predominant. It's, it's a big, big market. And it's largely, especially when I started uh, about three years ago, largely underserved. So that's where I found my niche, so to speak. Okay. And there's uh, some things that you learn as you go, and that's why we're here, to yep. talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, and, and a niche you have found, I mean, you've closed a ton of deals this year. Uh, I think the biggest key to your success is you continue to grind when most people put their, or take their foot off the gas. You know, like we talked about numerous times, when we went to Dallas, we came back and two days later, you had two deals on the plate. You know, that, that says a lot for you. It says a lot for your character. Um, it says a lot for your focus. So thank you. one of the things that, or some of the things I guess that we're going to talk about in this episode is how the Hispanic market is underserved. Uh, you and I have both discussed this before. I personally know of, and I'm sure you've heard of, um, people charging Hispanics to go out and look at homes, realtors saying, hey, I'll take you out to look at homes, but it's going to cost you X amount of dollars up front, which is completely illegal if I'm right, correct? It is, yes, that is illegal to charge for your service. Right. Um, I mean, because we all, we know, we've, we being our knowledge and, and everyone who's in the market especially knows how we get compensated, but a lot of the times folks from foreign areas don't understand the process. Don't don't know what you know what is very basic to a lot of us, um, and that's how the misconception starts. And I guess that's why I kind of fell in love with the uh, with my market mm-hmm. because I realize it's there's plenty of illegal things going on out there that I feel shouldn't happen, and we know as common basic knowledge, but. My market or the Hispanic market, as we were talking about, they just simply do not know that. Right. 
Or I think there's a thought that if they speak up, they're going to be in trouble somehow. That if they say something to somebody that they're going to get in trouble or it's going to cost them or that they did something wrong. That's what I, I personally see as being commonplace is that they simply don't say anything because they're afraid of getting themselves in trouble. Hmm. You know, and, and I think there's a huge belief that, oh, well, you know, the Hispanic population in Nashville is illegals and all this other crazy stuff. But little do most people know, these are people that actually file taxes, that do the same things that every American out there does every single day. They're just in a longer journey to become a citizen. Um, I don't think most people realize that becoming a citizen is not a one-day or one-year event. This is it, it takes a decade in some cases for people to do what they have to do to become citizens. And in the meantime, they're paying taxes, they're going to work every day, they're productive members of society, they're buying things from the community, which helps support and stabilize the community. But I tend to find that Hispanic culture, just in general, is kind of a closed and really uh, kind of solitary, a, uh, its own culture in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a culture within inside another culture. Um, one of the things that I see is Hispanic families. They tend to stick together. You know, the mother and the son or mother and, and kids are typically not far apart. You know, they don't move to California with the other ones, mm-hmm. stay in Tennessee. Um, and so within that community, you see a lot of cases where the son and the parents are buying homes together or the daughter and the parents or something like that. Is that pretty common that you find as well? That is. You touched on so many. I, I need something to write down all these points <laughs> that I wanted to touch as you were going. Right. Uh, to backtrack, yes, a lot of, um, of even our clients, you know, we have two brothers that purchase a home and their their whole family is going to live together. Right. Um, so, yes, they're, they're very close in that aspect also, which is one of those things that has helped uh, me grow mm-hmm. is – you know, you work for somebody and their cousin and then their uncle and then, you know, you just, you become part of them. I've been to a lot of my clients' parties. I've, you know, hung out with them. You know, I've drank beers, smoked cigarettes with them, which is not like something to be proud of, but it's, you know, something to be proud of in the sense that they're closed and they take you. Their um, family. They, they take you in, into yeah. their wing. And it's just so hard to break into them, into their trust, you know, break that barrier to mm-hmm. the where they trust you. That when you get finally get there, it's just special, you know? It's right. just special. And, uh, you know, a home for their family is one of those, I don't want to say sacred. I can't think of a proper word. But it's it's very meaningful. Right. So that's another another thing. Uh, I want to backtrack some more. Um, what were we talking about when you first started about the... Uh, Hispanic community... Kind of being suppressed. Oh, yeah. So in Spanish, there's a word. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll share this hopefully out here in Spanish. But it's dejado, which means translates to like leave it alone, mm-hmm. sort of. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. It's, it's a verb. But you, the people tend to be dejados, which means they leave stuff alone. When something doesn't work, someone overcharges them or they can't figure a way to fight. They just let it be. It's easier and it's almost a cultural thing right. to be the hello. So, like, if someone charges them and doesn't provide a service instead of arguing, because we know there's regulations out there for lenders, realtors, and a lot of other service providers, mm-hmm. that it's so easy to just make a phone call and, they'll, you know, they're going to yeah. get stomped on. But uh, the Hispanic culture tends to not be so much, and that's why 
it's important for me to help them out because <clears throat> I know that they're scared to ask and I tell every single one of them like hey first of all you don't have to work with me you can check with whoever else you want and also there's regulations in place to protect you if you have any questions I'll direct you towards who you can go complain to right and um, you know which that's something that I think is rare um, in our industry. You know, I, I see organizations like um, NAREP get involved and try to promote um, Hispanics buying homes and kind of walking people through and providing them with some uh, education in order to purchase. But the fact of the matter is for every NAREP agent or member or loan officer or real estate person that has integrity of mind, there's 10 that don't. And that's not limited just to the real estate side of things, taxes. Um, a lot of times you'll see that people go to the same person that hundreds if not thousands of other Hispanic people go to to get their taxes filed. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, the due diligence isn't done properly on the tax preparer side, and you tend to have issues. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, well, let me touch base before we carry okay, on. Go ahead. No, no, backpack. stop me whenever you want backpack. because it, this uh -huh. is about you, not not about me. So, Texas, I know you were, which speaks to what you were saying in a second. Ago. A lot of these Hispanic families that are there's a misconception they don't pay taxes, and I mean, there's some that don't, just like any other American mm -hmm. would not, you know, for any other nationality for that matter. That decides not to file, you know, save on taxes for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. Right. But there's plenty of families that do, and, you know, just like, you know, regardless of your culture, whatever, there's you're going to have person A who files incorrectly, person B who files correctly, you know, person B who has the better job, the better credit, the better, mm -hmm. a better buyer, might turn out to be Hispanic while you're over here focusing on whatever your market is. Right. You know, um, that's one point. And number two, Remember how we were talking about how they'll send your, their cousins and their brothers and their moms and, you know, everybody. everybody. So when you have a tax preparer that's doing the work for whatever price, it could be cheaper, more expensive, whatever, but they got to break into the trust circle. Mm -hmm. And they're sending everybody in. Like I said, we know it's common to just look at our taxes, see who prepared it. It has a name, a signature. They're essentially not really liable, but they're responsible for preparing. A lot of the people that... Um, come to me and when we talk about loans and stuff we go through their taxes and uh, when we see it says self-prepared I ask them did you do your taxes and they say no we know that's not correct right you know um, so that goes into the education part of what you were talking about um, I guess we have to educate them what sometimes seems like the very basics they just don't have it they don't have them because it's not practiced in other foreign countries mm -hmm. um, or if it is it's they might not be in the financial or social level, I guess it would be, right. to where they had that exposure to those type of documents. So they come here into a new country, and they've never seen taxes. So they trust this lady who's charging up and doing things incorrectly and making it that much more of a hassle to do something as simple as buy a home. Buy a home, yeah. Yeah, and that's something I think we see a substantial amount of, especially when the person is self-employed. You know, let's let's face it, a lot of uh, Hispanic jobs you typically see are some type of laborer or something like that. That's mm -hmm. the most common. I mean, Correct. obviously there's other people out there that have better jobs, worse jobs, things like that. 
but typically you'll see a laborer and they're self-employed. They get paid by the hour and their taxes, you can tell, are just something that's thrown together. They pay the tax mm-hmm. dollar that's due and they move on. What was the word you said? They have those. Yes. They so have. they pay the taxes mm-hmm. and then they just move on and go on about their life. And they pay the preparer. It could be 300 bucks, could be 500 bucks, could be $1,000, could be more. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of that, when it comes to qualifying for a mortgage, a lot of times you see that maybe the income wasn't what it was supposed to be. Um, the money that they have made, maybe they keep it in a place that's not conventional for Americans. You know, Americans get their money, they put it in the bank, they mm. they have their paycheck with, you know, bank of whatever, and they can provide statements. Now, what we've ran into numerous times, you'll have people that have upwards of $100,000 that's not sitting in a place where it's verifiable. Is there a reason behind that? Is it, It's something I see mm-hmm. is extremely common with the Hispanic culture and or actually minorities in general. Yeah. Is there a reason behind that? So I, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but I would imagine, based on what we were talking about, how it's an underserved, maybe misunderstood community. And I know this firsthand. Like, I would go to the bank and say, hey, I mean, it happened to me. This is my story. I went to the bank. I'd like to open a credit card. They said, well, are you a U.S. citizen? And I'm not. Right. So they said, you can't get a credit card. You can't build credit. And I'm like, I'm in this field. I know how things work. I've already had yeah, yeah. You know, I know how it works. It, it's common knowledge for me. But right. for them, and I don't, I don't know if they were in a bad mood or it's just, you know, they didn't like my face, you know, for <laughs> whatever reason. But they said, no, you can't do it if you're not a citizen. So what happens is you eventually, st- by the way, I won't say the bank, but I withdrew all my money from that bank. And right. I'm like, I'll go. go is it an American bank? <laughs> That's American bank. <laughs> 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 um, so I withdrew my money and go somewhere else. But yeah, what happens is people don't trust this institution, especially when they go in there and they don't give them the service that they're paid to do. And it makes no difference just because, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So they start building this mistrust, and just how people, I've noticed, you know, like I said, they'll send you their family, and they'll keep on working with you. Right. It works the other way. The minute you tell them no, so it just starts building a bad name for everybody, and everybody starts saying, well, my uncle said that this bank was bad, and they wouldn't want to give them their money. Yeah. So they start pocketing the money under the pillow, under the mattress, uh, because it makes them feel safer, it's accessible, they don't have to deal with... Uh, rude people. Yeah, yeah, rude people. And uh, even my parents, they own a business. So their you know, bank account is relatively used. Uh, so many transactions, you know, so they, it's right. It's a fairly, what do you call it, healthy account. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes my mom would have issues. So I would come with her to the bank to tell her, hey, I want to withdraw this money. This is my mom's account. Here's her ID. Because when she'd go by herself, she didn't get that service or attention and couldn't. I mean, can you imagine sending your family member, hey, can you withdraw some money? And they come back. They wouldn't let me. It's their money. You know, it's. That's that's crazy. And and that speaks a lot about the person, you know, because it's not necessarily the institution, so to speak. But unfortunately, the institution gets that rap that, hey, they're they're piss poor service. Mm. And it's unfortunate because it is just ignorance and ignorant people causing this. You know, I can't tell you how irate I would be if I sent somebody to the bank that had access to my, if I sent Jeff up to the bank and said, hey, I need you to go pull out this money, and they stopped him wouldn't let him pull it out. You know, I would be, Jeff knows, 
You think I'd go up for that bank? <laughs> we'd have an issue. Yeah. We'd have we'd have a little bit of an issue. I mean, uh, I think it's commonplace as as Americans, and and I say that lightly because obviously you guys are Americans too. But as a homegrown American, we'll call it, um, we expect those things just to go naturally. If we have an issue, we confront it, and we we have a problem. You know, mm-hmm. Houston, we have a problem. Um, <laughs> And we, we go ahead and deal with it, but with the Hispanic culture and many other cultures, not just Hispanic, mm-hmm. but that's what that's we're focused on, on right, right now. Yes. It's, it's the word again. Dejados. Dejados. Yeah. So that's the attitude that's taken. So I think that people know, hey, they're not going to say anything, so we're going to do what we want. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like um, the perception that if you go into certain restaurants and you're dressed a certain way, you know, this goes into discrimination as a whole, not mm-hmm. just in his, you know, for Hispanics, but if you go in a certain place, you're not dressed a certain way, but you intend on spending the same money, you kind of get treated differently than the guy that kind of fits the persona of the person or the client they're looking for. So the biggest thing that I see, and this is with working with you, you treat everybody the same. You work with Hispanics, but you also have white clients, black clients, yellow clients, green clients, any clients. As long as your goal is to purchase a home, that's Eduardo's ideal client. Um, it goes deeper into that, but even when we met way back in the day at Mellow Mushroom, you know, you said your big thing was you wanted to stand up and show Hispanics the way, where to go to enroll in school, where where to go to enroll in college, the things they needed to do to help transition into quote unquote American lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a big passion of yours then. Is it still a passion of yours? I mean, it it translates into your work. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, I, touching on that subject, I think one of the, you know, there's, it's so easy to point out problems these days. This is what's going on. This is what's going on and complain and complain. Mm -hmm. I'd like to not do that. I'd like to find a solution. You know, there's no point in pointing out the problems if you're not doing, what are you doing to help? You know, we already know what the problems (laughs) are. We already know what the the problems are. So, you know, I don't know that one person can change the world, but for now, my, I guess, job you should say is to provide them with the service they deserve Mm -hmm. to you know get them into a home and you know they still call me hey um do you know what school is for my kid you know they're going into middle school now you know it's one of those things that i don't know how other people work i know how i work so i would gladly look up ask you know whatever i have to do it takes five minutes of my time right and they're happy and you know it grows my business and also and overall for my birthday, I think we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, if I told you that day, but we had you on one table, my fiance on one table, or her family and these, a client, an ex client, an ex client that they didn't know each other. Right. My, I guess, passion is to unite people. Mm-hmm. That so to answer your question, yes, that's still my passion to bring them together. Um, I don't see anything wrong with people come here with foreign practices or right. whatever they want to practice is perfect but also let's get involved with what's going on here mm-hmm. you know we're fortunate enough to be here let's celebrate what's going on here let's right. be a part of what you know this new culture where we're growing up in you know and let's have the banker who's being a mean person I don't know if we can say bad words here <laughs> a fuckhead <laughs> you know let's kind of 
Teller who's being a dick. You forget whose podcast is. This is not the first time they heard words like dick, asshole. So, but go ahead. Yeah, let's have the Teller be cool with you because he has a friend that looks just like you. Right. And dresses just like you somewhere else because that friend is part of their culture. So oh. just in, in, you know, there's no point in segregating your Mexican stores here. I mean, there's reasons behind, you know. Right. Whatever, but just become a whole. You know, we're we're gonna end up in a or whatever. Yeah, no. Uh, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, so at that's the end of my passion. Uh, yeah. I mean, not necessarily a source to hey, call me for who do you your taxes. I mean, nothing wrong with that. But you know, I want to bring people together. You want to be a trusted person within your community. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I you think mean. that's the goal, and just to set set what you offer out right. and smile and come closer. Even though you kept the British and the Mexican table. <laughs> you, you had the British table and then over here. It, I knew it kind of felt hostile. In there. <laughs> you know, they were looking at me like... <laughs> I was just Right, and they were like, ah. It, actually, you know, even the strangers there, it was like a big family. Everyone was communicating, everyone was having fun. You know, now granted... I didn't, I don't speak Spanish. They didn't know each other. You, right. you knew everybody, just everybody knew everybody. Right, so exactly. Nobody knew each other. Yep, yep. But everyone still got together, you know, and, and one thing I love about um, Hispanic get-togethers and Hispanic um, parties is that when they do it, they do it big. You know, there's no half-assing it and kind of putting things together and you know, you had a bounce house there, you had people in the living room, you had people outside, you had tents up, you had food everywhere. I mean, there's no bullshit when you go to a Hispanic party. You know, you don't, it's not like, mm-hmm. and, and I say this because I've been to a lot of white people parties. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel a lot of alcohol at a white people party. Oh, you need to have the Hispanic, here's the difference, the Hispanic party, they'll like, and white people do this too. Like, oh, come on, take a drink. You know, the Hispanics are real. It's a warm feeling at a at, at Hispanic party. It, 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 it's a warm feeling at any of them, but it's normally because they're tired. <laughs> but, no, I mean, it, you know, yeah. I've been at plenty of different parties, but you're right. It's always a bunch of people. Like growing up, when I thought I was Hispanic. <laughs> <laughs> um, we would go, where'd it go, Jeff? Damn, it's not the mic over. It's just like watching table. Um, you know, we would go to beach parties with my sister's dad, and, and his family was Mexican, and very, very involved. And you'd go to a beach party on a random Sunday, and there'd be 60 people there, you know, and three cars. <laughs> but they knew how to get together. It was, it was all about family and all about, you know, the if it was the son's birthday, he got whatever his favorite dish was, even if it took the grandma three days to make, you know, as she's picking beans at the mm. table, pulling out the bad ones and teaching the good ones. You know, so the family life is more intertwined. And I think that relates back to what you were saying, that people tend to work with the same people. They trust them to say, hey, who's your go-to? You know? Just like any other race, though, we just do it differently. We'll get on Facebook and we'll be like, you know, uh, where can I go to get my haircut? You know, 360 of our friends respond back. You just have a smaller level of Facebook. Now, let me ask you this, though. Hispanic culture, are they as active on Facebook as white people? Um, I guess I, I don't know any white people in the mouth, yeah, I mean, how, yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no seriously, there, like... This, 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 if you were to live in a foreign country, right. what's one way you can communicate with all of them? Facebook. 
So that's that's, that's, that's answering your question. I mean, I have my family from from Africa. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of my clients. They even call me on WhatsApp. I don't even do WhatsApp for that. That's like once a minute. Yeah. But yeah, they, they yeah. I mean, in short answer, yes. They, I don't know if more or less. Because I mean, I guess if you live here, you can contact somebody in California or something. Right. But I don't think it gets. Think that something that should be celebrated can't be because of safety reasons, you know. But 
cultural differences. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Unfortunately, having a bank teller in the city is better than a bank teller. <laughs> Being in a country. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you definitely would rather deal with the dictator than deal with a, a, a foreign country, so to speak, that's filled with corruption. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to Tijuana a dozen times when I was younger, but I was too young to realize how deep some of the things were. So, um, the closest I think I've ever gotten to it was. I watch a man on fire. <laughs> I know that's not the same. It's in my hometown. Is it really? Yeah. So, you know, and I saw how that was. But see, that's that's real life stuff, right? So, so, anything else you want to cover? Anything else you want to say? Um, any messages out there that you want to get out to people? Mm, uh, well, a lot of the audience is you know, mostly professionals like myself, mm -hmm. and a lot of them mostly are not from this area, even if they are. You know, don't turn down on the phone to, you know, just, you know as luck would have it, I've had, you know, success many times, and, you know, you know the sense. Sometimes, I think it's a better job, better income, better credit. Yeah. So, I mean, that's me. Could you imagine John Mayer Holmes when I went out there to put my contract in? If he was like, "Yeah, oh, no, it's Hispanic last name, we're not going to lend to him." Yeah, I mean, that's that's a or yourself even. You know, if somebody looked at your name or my name and said, "No, we're not going to lend to him," or not not going to no, sell to him. Right. But they couldn't. $80,000 down. I mean, they have assets, and if somebody's representing them, hopefully they've done their due diligence to make sure that they're qualified enough to purchase. Hopefully they're not blindly out there just buying mm -hmm. or getting whatever client costs them in the car and saying, let's go look at homes, mm -hmm. and then figuring out later. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've got somebody... Don't get away from them. They're don't judge a book by the cover. I'm British with a Hispanic last name. I mean, <laughs> howdy ho. <laughs> you know, mate. <laughs> you know the book, you're Right, exactly. <laughs> you're a yellow page. Right. Are you saying I'm Chinese? <laughs> so, but no, that's, that's a great piece of advice. Don't judge a book by its cover. Um, and, uh, you know, quite frankly, also, I think you need to that's what we talked about at Mellow Mushroom. You have the opportunity to have a cornered market and be the best person there is. Yeah, and, and it is. Because you have people's best interests in mind. Just like with me and veterans. I want what's best for them, not what's best for my paycheck. Because I said, like you said earlier, if you do right to others, it's going to circle around and come back and help you. Regardless if it's somebody calling up, you know, if someone calls you up and says, hey, what daycare can I take my kids to? And you give them an answer. And a week later, they have a cousin that's buying a home cash that happens to be a doctor moving to Nashville. Mm -hmm. That comes back, you know, and, and we don't do it for self-service. We do it for service of the community. You know, and that, that's the big thing to always keep in mind. So, um, yeah, I'm 
The women they do, that's that's crazy to stop and think about that. The fact that you used to wash dishes there now where you're at in life. The fact that you were a shy guy. Oh, yeah. You know, like you didn't want to, to say anything and you were quiet and you just wanted to do this real estate thing for a little bit and then you get out of it and you would go do some, something. <laughs> but you found your calling and you're good at it. That's the biggest thing. I mean, you meet people all the time and, and they like you and you're honest with them and they, people can read that. You know, they, they know that what you're doing is for the best interest of them. And the people get excited, you know, when, when they get told yes. You know, we've had clients before that they never thought they'd buy a home, and then they get told yes. And then they get, they invite us to their wedding. They invite us to their quinceanera. Yeah, I mean, those are huge, huge companies. You know, like I said, I work with probably small businesses, but for some reason, we usually these factors here at the beginning of time to close you, to get on, you know, something in the mail, whatever, to follow up with Fortunately, I don't know if I can love it or whatever, but it's been the opposite. Yeah. They're like, I told you, where do you want to go? Like, no, it's not. No, we're taking you to where right. do you want to go? Like, right. Well, I, yeah. Now I got some Molly. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, was, that's how it started. Yeah. No, it's great. So, um, you know, <laughs> the biggest thing is, if you're going to do something, do it with integrity. Do it the best way you possibly can. Serve the people that you intend to serve in the best way possible. And serve them as if they were your own family and you were serving serve them yourself. Um, so that's about it. That's about all I got. Big thing, Feliz Navidad. Is that how you say Merry Christmas? Yeah. I'm, I'm new to the Spanish thing. <laughs> so, right, exactly. I'm, now, instead of me being Hispanic, I'm trying to learn Spanish. So, if I didn't slip up and be like, I'm trying to learn Hispanic. <laughs> Right, let me learn taco. <laughs> but anyways, thank you so much for your time today, Eduardo. I look forward to having you on future shows. You've always got great input, great insight. Um, the listeners that are listening to this that want to learn a little more about the Hispanic community, or maybe you know somebody that hasn't been treated properly and you want to send them to Eduardo for help, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, if you go to my personal website, eduardo.com, S-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-L-N-E-
motherfucker. Even if you're walking like with a limp or sitting backwards, <laughs> you're still walking the motherfucker. And and Jeff knows. Jeff will come in here in the morning, you know, with a full package ready, waiting to, to submit everything else, and that's because you know what you're doing. And we appreciate you for that. So um, those of you that tuned in, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned for our Monday 6.30 show, uh, continuation of the story of my life. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Advancements in technology, shifting markets, and the gig economy are changing the nature of work. With this in mind, Harvard Business School Executive Education is launching a new program on managing the future of work. Based on the latest research into the forces reshaping workforce demographics, this program is designed to help employers remain competitive by thinking strategically about today's evolving business landscape. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me future. That's hbs.me future.